You're listening to The Journey Podcast. Today, we learn about healing trauma with eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Petra Brunbauer, and with decades of experience with sadness, pain, anxiety, and stress, I finally figured out how to leave all that behind. And this podcast shows you how to break free permanently so you can reclaim your sanity and find the self-esteem and energy to go after the life you desire. With real talk about mental health, holistic healing, and the tough journey of coming out the other end. This is The Journey Podcast. Welcome to today's episode. Today marks World Suicide Prevention Day. And for this bonus episode, I spoke with a very special guest about healing trauma. Trauma happens in all different ways and healing traumatic experiences can be very difficult. Natalie Milam is the dope trauma therapist and has dedicated herself to helping families surviving adverse and traumatic experiences and to the professionals, organizations, and systems that serve them. Natalie is a licensed clinical social worker, EMDR therapist, trust-based relational intervention practitioner, and the CEO of Potential Realized. She is passionate about healing children and families and provides EMDR therapy to children, tweens, teens, adults, couples, and families. Additionally, Natalie trains professionals in the field on how to work to create felt safety for children and families surviving trauma. In this episode, Natalie talks about healing trauma with eye movement desensitization and reprocessing and providing training to educate more professionals about offering trauma-sensitive and trauma-informed care. Let's meet Natalie Milam. Hi, Natalie. It's great to have you on the podcast. Today, we'll be chatting about eye movement, desensitization, reprocessing, trauma, and consulting, which might be new to some of our listeners. And it's sure to be a very interesting episode. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you so very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm so glad that you're here because you have so much to share with our listeners. So let's jump right in. And can you share a little bit about yourself and how you got into this work? Absolutely. So I am a licensed clinical social worker and I work with individuals who have survived traumatic experiences. After working with them for quite some time, I started to realize that the types of therapy approaches that were being used were helpful, but they were not getting to the root cause of the problem. So clients were continuing to have the same, you know, the same behavioral responses that they were initially coming into therapy for. Mm -hmm. So I learned about EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, and it has completely changed my world, but more importantly, the world of those who I serve. They have healed from trauma and they are living their absolute best whole lives. And I've really just drank the EMDR Kool-Aid and I like sharing it with anybody that'll <laughs> listen, <laughs> especially those that. people who have survived traumatic experiences. So yeah, that's that's how I got into the EMDR world. Wow. Yeah. So I can imagine that 
as you said, there's a lot of people that have gone through traumatic experiences that need just a little bit extra or something different that might help them with those situations. And can you explain, first of all, what you consider trauma? Like, what is trauma when we're talking about that? Absolutely. So trauma or a traumatic experience is anything that is a deeply distressing or disturbing physical, emotional, or sexual experience. So just very, you know, briefly, what happens is when a person experiences a traumatic, something traumatic, their brain begins to change in a way where they start to re-experience it, meaning like they can, you know, the trauma has happened, it's done, it's over with, but later in life, they still have flashbacks or they just literally feel like they're re-experiencing it whenever they are triggered. So that puts their brain back into that fight, flight, or freeze mode. And that's when you see all of the behaviors that I described earlier begin to take place. So just very simply, that's what trauma is. That's interesting that you say there's actual changes in our physicality with trauma. I find that very interesting. And so let's get into EMDR. And as we said before, that's the eye movement, desensitization and reprocessing. There you go. <laughs> Got it out. And can you explain to our listeners what that is or what it does or what it looks like so they can get an idea of what we're talking about with EMDR? Absolutely. So EMDR, and it's definitely a mouthful. So <laughs> eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing. So what happens is whenever um, a traumatic experience occurs, it gets locked in our brain, typically with like the original image, the sounds, the thoughts, the feelings, as well as the body sensations that were present at the time of the traumatic experience. So what EMDR does is it accesses that traumatic experience exactly the way that it's stored inside of our brains and our bodies. And then we are able to reprocess the experience. So if you kind of think about like REM sleep or like dream sleep, that's typically what's happening. Like you go to sleep, right? And you're able to reprocess some of your unconscious material. Mm -hmm. So essentially it's a person's own brain that is doing the healing. They're the ones that's in control of the healing. Like the only thing that the EMDR therapist is doing is to help them facilitate that. And so we have a, a few things that we do. It's an eight phase approach to this. And so do you want me to go ahead and jump into that right now? Yeah, absolutely. Let's hear about that. Okay, awesome. So the eight different phases of EMDR, the first one is history taking. And that's just us, you know, trying to understand where the client is, what has happened up to this point in their lives. And then there's preparation. So before we can ever get into the reprocessing phase of trauma, we want to prepare our clients to ensure that they are ready. So we do a lot of resource development, and those are commonly known as just, you know, teaching coping skills. But more deeply, we're teaching our clients about the way that their brain works, and we're teaching them how whenever they become dysregulated, they can actually regulate their brains. And what that means is that when they are triggered and they go into that emotional place, to where they can't even access logic for the most part. They can't access rational thinking whenever they are dysregulated. So we teach them ways to regulate themselves. And that phase of treatment can last, you know, a few weeks and it can last a lot of weeks depending upon the type of trauma that a person has sustained. 
And I actually want to pause right there just to explain that a little bit more. So trauma can be a single event that has happened, or it can be numerous events that have happened over time. Right. Right. So with a single experience of trauma, you might be thinking about a person who, a football player who got a concussion. That's a physical trauma. You may think about emotional like an emotional trauma, right? Like, you know, a parent telling their child something that is hugely hurtful, right? Like a person, a parent that may tell their child, you know what, I didn't even want you. I really wanted to have an abortion, right? Like that's an emotional trauma. Um, You may think about a sexual trauma. So a person who is molested one time, right? So all of those things are trauma. But then you also have what we call complex trauma. And these are things that happen over time. So this is the child who is being abused, you know, physically or neglected physically over time. This can be a person that's in a domestic violence situation. And so this continues to happen over time, right? So those are a few different things to take into consideration. So we look at that when we're in that preparation phase, and that helps us know how many different things, resources that we do with our clients. I do a lot of attachment-focused EMDR. So there's a lot of resource building that we have to do in that phase, especially when it's that complex developmental trauma. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. So yeah, so that's the preparation phase of EMDR. And then we move into uh, phase three and four. So phase three is assessment. And that's simply where we are having the client to try and access the material the way that it's stored. So that's when we're tapping into, you know, what's the image that comes up and like, what were the sounds that were associated? What are the feelings that you experienced? Those types of things. And then in four, that's actually where we go into desensitization. So we are helping them to desensitize by using those bilateral stimulations. And that's where EMD, when we say EMDR, EMDR is one form of bilateral. Eye movements is one form of bilateral stimulation. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of other things that we could do as well to help to desensitize the person to that traumatic experience. And then phase five is installation. And it, that sounds so mechanical. I really don't even <laughs> like to, the way that that sounds. But installation is where we are taking the, that, the negative cognitions that the person had that we would have assessed back in phase three, right? Like whatever the negative thing that they are thinking about themselves or that they are thinking about the world or that they're thinking about other people as a result of that traumatic experience, we're able to desensitize that in phase four. But then in phase five, installation is where we are now installing the positive cognition. So whatever it is that they want to believe about themselves, rather than that thing that they're currently believing about themselves, we get that and we install that in uh, phase five. What I mean by install is that we are now having it to link in their brains to a positive uh, cognition, right? They're now beginning to think positive about themselves. And then we are re we're installing that in their brains. And so everybody has had positive experiences, right? So what we're doing is we're just causing the neural networks where the trauma is stored to then link with more positive information, positive experiences that are in the brain. We're just linking those things together. Okay, so that's installation. And then phase six, and I know this is probably more related to your podcast, is where we do the body scan. Mm -hmm. So body scan is where we are just scanning that body from head to toe to figure out, you know, what sensations are there. 
And we go, we literally have them to, you know, tell us, okay, what are you feeling now? Like anything in your body, any specific area in your body, when you're thinking about that traumatic experience, let me know what's coming up. And then if anything comes up, then we, we continue to do some bilateral stimulation so that we can decrease the body sensation that is still, you know, connected to that trauma. And then finally, we have phase seven, which is closure. And we're going through and just, you know, kind of closing it out, making sure, you know, that the it's fully reprocessed. And then phase eight is just reassessment. So when they come back, we reassess it to make sure, you know, that it's still down. When I say it's still down, we take a SUD, which is a subjective unit of disturbance. And we want that to be at a zero. So when they come back the next time, we're reassessing it. And if it's still at a zero, then we should be good to go. So that's essentially EMDR in a nutshell. Wow, that's so interesting. I love hearing about that. And it does remind me a little bit, not by the process, but by how you're measuring in that also of tapping, because we do that as well, right? We reassess where we're at on the soot scale. So that makes sense to me. And when you are talking about working with trauma and you're talking about people who have experienced trauma, why do you think that a person would need EMDR rather than a different modality or a different type of therapy? Absolutely. That's a great question. So EMDR, it, well, let me talk about talk therapy for a minute, right? So mm-hmm. talk therapy is it's great. It's a wonderful modality. It's what most clinicians learn when they're going through through their training. But talking does not heal trauma. What heals trauma is accessing it and reprocessing the way that it's stored in the brain and in the body. So there's a difference between a person logically knowing that they're safe and their body feeling safe. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you just think about that for a second, right? Like you can you can hear a child tell their parent, you know, like I don't feel like you love me, right? And the parent absolutely knows that they love this child and they're doing everything possible. Like they're paying all the bills and they're putting food on the table. They're putting clothes on the child's back, right? They have shelter, but the child still does not feel safe, right? So there's a fundamental disconnect between the logical knowing and the actual feeling safe. So that is what EMDR does. EMDR helps to connect our emotional brain to the logical side of our brain in the knowing that we are safe. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. And do people have to kind of relive their trauma when they're working with you with EMDR? Or does it access it and, and reprocess it in a way that the client doesn't have to relive all of that? Yeah, so that's the beauty about EMDR is that once we get out of the history taking phase, which is the very first phase, the client doesn't even have to talk about the actual event of the trauma anymore. Like we don't, they don't, they never have to tell us about the experience itself again, right? And even in the the history taking, they may not even give us the full story of how the trauma happened, right? Or how it unfolded. Mm-hmm. When we are doing the assessment of EMD, the assessment phase, which is phase three, what we're really doing is getting how it's stored, right? What is the image that represents the worst part of it? What are the, you know, the feelings inside of your, the emotions, right? Your internal feelings. 
what do you feel in your body when you think about that sadness or that grief? So we're really assessing it, how it's stored, not necessarily running through the entire event with them. Now, I will say that there are some protocols within EMDR where like if it's a recent traumatic experience, then we will have them kind of run through the trauma with us just so that we can find each of the points of disturbance, right? If you think about, you know, something that recently happened, like if if it's a person that just witnessed someone complete suicide, well, there was a start and there was an ending point to that. So, but all throughout the process, there were different points of that trauma that are deeply disturbing for them. So with that, we have to be able to know what the different points are because we want to reprocess all the different points of it. But in general, especially with like a single event trauma, we don't necessarily have to have them to relive it. But if they do, you know, have to go through and tell us about what happened, we have prepared them for that through the preparation phase by teaching them how to regulate their nervous system with various different coping skills that we we develop with them over time. Mm-hmm. Wow. That sounds like something that could be so great and so supportive and healing for trauma survivors and people who have experienced trauma. I'm really in awe of what you're explaining here. This is wonderful. And very often when we work with healthcare providers or other professionals or therapists, there are actually many people out there that are not trauma-informed and they have not had any training or workshops on trauma. So why do organizations need to be coached and trained on how to work with people with trauma? Oh, that's a, an amazing question. Okay. So what we know from the Adverse Childhood Experiences Study, which is one of the most profound longitudinal studies that have been done over time about trauma, what we found is that over 61% of the population in the United States have had at least one traumatic experience. Wow. So in knowing that, right, like if, so that means six out of every 10 people that you see have experienced trauma. Mm-hmm. Right. So and knowing that we know that organizations are seeing people who have trauma every single day, but there's a specific way that you have to work with people with trauma and there you have to understand how they are presenting. So a person who may be presenting as, you know, hostile and aggressive and things like that. Well, if they come from um, a background of trauma, then the way that you respond to them is in a way where you want to help to create a safe environment, one in which, again, they feel safe and not just the logical knowledge that they're safe, but an environment that is conducive to them feeling safe. And again, for that healing to be able to take place appropriately. So it's just really important that people with trauma are not further oppressed and further traumatized. Mm -hmm. And when organizations are not trauma-informed, or I actually like to say trauma-competent, they inadvertently re-traumatize clients right? They don't even realize it, but that's what they're doing. So I do a lot of coaching and consulting with organizations who are, you know, implementing new programs, who even want to be trauma-informed as a whole, as an organization. The people who are working for these organizations, again, 61% of the population, right? So six out of every 10 people who work at an organization has likely experienced trauma. So how do you work with 
the people, you know, your employees or have coworkers working together who understand how to create an environment of felt safety through connection and then how to empower the people who are working with them as well as their clients to get their needs met. If you are doing the connecting piece and creating that felt safety and doing the empowerment piece where people can get their needs met, they can speak up about things that are bothersome to them and be able to get their needs met. Then a lot of the correcting, if you will, is the um, amount of correcting that has to take place is slim to none, right? Mm -hmm. Like there'll still be things that need to be corrected, but if they feel safe and they are empowered to get their needs met, then the correcting piece is, you know, slim to none. Yeah. So it's important that that organizations are providing a safe place for their employees as well as their clients. Mm-hmm. And I would love to see more organizations take some training and really understand trauma and be trauma competent because that's so important when they're helping clients. And Although the EMDR is really great and people can start using that on their healing journey as well, you also have some other programs and services available. And would you like to explain to our listeners a little bit about what you have available online? Absolutely. So I do a lot of nonprofit coaching and consulting. I actually have a program that will be launching soon called the Abundant Nonprofit, which is where I work with those startup nonprofits who want to be trauma-informed in their care. And then I do what we call TBRI, so that's Trust-Based Relational Intervention. That is where I go in and work with organizations who are, again, serving children and families who have experienced trauma. Mm -hmm. So teaching them the TBRI principles of connecting, empowering, and correcting. So I do that, those trainings with people. And then I'm just, you know, I do a lot of one-on-one coaching with nonprofit executive directors and boards just to train them on how, you know, how to have an effective and an efficient nonprofit organization. Again, those nonprofits and not just nonprofits, but also human services agencies who are serving individuals who are surviving trauma. Wow. I love what you do. (laughs) And I'm so glad that you're putting these services out there because they're so needed, especially in this time after COVID now and with everything that happened during that time. But also before, if you're talking about 61% of Americans who have experienced at least one trauma, I mean, we're not just talking post-COVID now, we're talking that that already happened before. So people are so much in need of these services, that's for sure. And for our listeners, we will be linking to all of Natalie's offerings in the show notes as well. So you can take a look there and see how you can connect with her. If you'd like to work with her one-on-one, or if you'd like to take advantage of her consulting services as well. And well, this has been another incredible episode. And I really hope our listeners have enjoyed the journey into EMDR and the trauma-informed consulting. And it has been fantastic chatting with you on the podcast, Natalie. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, that was fantastic. And thank you for all the great work that you're doing. That's really good to see that you're putting that out there. Thank you so much and take care. Thank you. You too. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen in. If you enjoy the Journey podcast, please subscribe, share on social media and leave us a review. And be sure to get your copy of our brand new ebook called Break Free. 
sending you love and courage and see you next week. Until then, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram and the Journey blog.